by Chantelle Morton, and we have a very special guest with us today. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I'm Tom Goodwin, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you, Tom. Um, so I'm just going to introduce the podcast for today. Um, we're going to be talking about the next normal, not the new normal. So teams are reflective, um, but they're still um, dislocated. And the topic really is looking at how are we going to pull those threads back together? Um, and so to give a bit of an introduction of why we're talking to Tom today. So Tom is a fabulous writer and speaker and uh, media provocateur. So he is uh, LinkedIn's top 10 voice in marketing. Business Insider voted him the top 30 people to follow on Twitter. Um, and really beautiful language that he uses in his copy, which is we are in the post-digital age. And how will the creative industries innovate capacity um, lead us out of the pandemic? Um, and really, that's what we're looking at and we're discussing today. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you think, Chantelle? Oh, well, welcome, Tom. Thank you for coming via Miami. Um, and, um, yeah, just really would like to open up the discussion, really. What are your thoughts about this next normal? Well, when I hear the follow-up to the next normal and this idea of the sort of unbundling of strands and a sense of... Um, a loss of belonging. I mean, that really feels to me to be a very sort of poetic but insightful description of where we are. Um, I think everyone for a long time has almost become quite stoic and proud of the degree to which they've coped um, with a period of mass trauma and disruption and tragedy. Um, but there is a time at which we have to draw a line underneath that and recognize that while we should be proud of how we've coped, that's not necessarily the ideal platform to build the future from. And at some point we almost need cultural permission um, to sort of move on to the next stage and to figure out what the future should be and then create the future. And not do that by um, looking at what we have now and augmenting it, but actually you know, establish quite how we should work. You know, everyone's very quick to look at the current paradigm and think, right, you know, how do we make hybrid working work? How do we make um, outsourcing work? How do we respond to um, graduates coming into the office? But I think in a way, rather than dealing with what we have, it's better to imagine an ideal state and then construct that piece by piece. How do you think the creative industries are going to drive this change and drive this kind of rising up? Yeah, it's it's fascinating to look at the creative industries because I've been quite dismayed by many of the conversations I've had with people on the internet generally and many of those people are sort of software engineers or coders or you know physical engineers um, or electrical engineers and obviously the world of more process and logic driven jobs is very different to creative jobs. Um, and I don't want to speak for everybody because I'm aware I'm quite unusual, but I think part of the creative process is to really live life and to feel alive. And it's about the serendipity of strange conversations and it's about observing the world around us and it's about empathizing with other people by being in situations. So whether it's going to a really sad sort of pound store in a weird part of Wales, whether it's being in a second tier Chinese city, like so much of our job is about getting out into the world and sort of ingesting everything um, and then weird collisions with each other that I think we're really lying to ourselves about the degree to which the current state of work is working. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it sounds very rude of me, but 
you know, if if the pandemic has been this period where we realised that remote world work worked, and if the pandemic has brought out the best work in each of us, then I don't see much evidence of that. I mean, we're not surrounded by incredible TV shows or brilliant music. I haven't seen amazing artwork come out. I haven't seen the latest iPhone propel ourselves to a new world of possibilities with new tools. I've seen people cope and we should be really proud of how we've coped, but that doesn't mean that this is the ideal state to work from. So any situation where we're able to spend more time meeting people that are very different to us, any time that we can spend talking to people who challenge us, any time we can have really hard conversations, um, that's essential and the hardest thing to do in the current workplace environment. We've just been reading a report from Oxford University where Professor Andrew Thompson says that where creativity meets tech is the place where great cultural and material value will be derived in the next 20 years. So kind of similar to what you've just said, we haven't seen any great things from Apple recently. We've just kind of been moving on with it. I think technology is a great um, form of multiplication. You know, technology is literally a lever. Um, and without sounding too sort of imbalanced and poetic, um, creativity is magic. Like creativity is a sort of hyperbolic function. It's, it's a power of function. You know, the notion of an idea that is ground cha- uh, life changing or the notion of a, a sort of breakthrough or just a moment of really understanding people like that's where we really are propelled to a new world. And, you know, technology like the wheel is great or the ball bearing is great or fire or um, the loom or what have you. But the moments of real magic and real progress happen through a sort of inspirational application of that technology. And we're actually really lacking in that at the moment without without going into a different direction and talking about the world of Web3 and the metaverse and Mm. NFTs and stuff. I think the last two years have seen people become really lost, actually, and they've they've really lost sight of why they're doing what they're doing. Um, And I think this process of bringing people back together, smashing against different industries with a strong sense of what we need as a species, I think that's going to be a really exciting moment in time. And hopefully that starts soon. Sure, um, and be part of that that journey and part of that debate. Yeah. Um, again, just kind of bringing it back because the Friday Takeaway team loves statistics. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, uh, uh, kind of being hopeful for the creative industry, certainly in the UK. I'd love to know your kind of uh, opinion on on the US, mm. um, maybe a little later. But in terms of how the creative industry is set to grow. Again, just looking at reports that over the next uh, 10 years, the economy is set, the creative economy in the UK is set to grow from 10% up to 12%, which is so hopeful. Um, again, how do you kind of see that? I love the word, the hyperbolic fu- function that you've just said in terms of the creative industries coming together to make that change. Um, what, what do you mean by how do I see it coming together? Like what needs to happen yeah. for it to happen? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is to recognise the importance of it, actually. Mm. Um, I mean, Rory Sutherland talks a lot about it, but because creativity is so nebulous and so hard to um, turn into a process and because it's so hard to quantify, um, we tend to sort of undermine its importance and we think of it as being quite frivolous. and I think the more that we can recognize that actually it really is the thing that allows the magic to happen. It really is the thing that gives companies a competitive difference. It really is the thing that makes you know England succeed over um, European competitors. Um, 
I think we need a really strong recognition of quite how magical and how important it is. And then more recognition, actually, in how well-placed we are. Like, there is something absolutely incredible about the quality of British thinking. Mm. Um, there is something about the, nat- the nature of British brains where we're quite subversive, or we have been in the past. Mm. Um, there is something about humour. There is something about um eccentricity like there are all these traits which are quite british that i think give us this enormous competitive edge and somehow i feel like in the last uh, five years that's been dulled somewhat you know we've all been ground down into quite pragmatic conversations about vat or you know trade <laughs> imports or something we need to somehow sort of light this fire of passion and enthusiasm and a love of risk-taking and weirdness and this this context of sort of data and technology i think makes us um less ambitious i really am interested by this concept of getting recognition for it because Mm. it's almost by having the recognition you're then inspired and you feel supported so that it's then you can flourish and be nourished whereas if things just continue to as you say to be very dulled down and not very inspirational and there's not any recognition if anyone does have anything sparked so if we were going to show recognition, what do you think that would look like? How do you think that could be manifested? That's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> no, because the traditional ways that it is recognised, um, I think somehow feel wrong. You know, obviously there's award ceremonies mm-hmm. for great fashion, great advertising, great architecture. Um, but there's something about the process of that where it's done by a sort of panel of experts that it, it never feels very accessible somehow and it always seems to almost calcify sort of nepotism and, uh, you know, favours and what have you. Um, but at the same time, to go the other way and to celebrate it in terms of commercial success is where, you know, perhaps more outlandish ideas don't flourish. Um, it's, it's a very good question. I mean, like, I think there almost needs to be a creative process applied to how we can find that recognition. I mean, we, we, it's very hard as well because amazing leaps in progress are often down to individuals and teams working together. And the degree to which you sort of as, uh, ascribe the success to a person versus a team um, is quite challenging. Um, maybe, maybe it's better to sort of celebrate the actual products and experiences that are made. Like it always amazes me that there aren't more, um, I know, business case studies written about moments of brilliance mm. that are quite boring in nature you know maybe it's um an amazing fashion accessory maybe it's a piece of uh, gadgetry that makes it easier to 3d print buildings maybe it's someone who made a booking flow on a website much more seamless um there are all these moments of brilliance that i think don't get celebrated enough yeah, agreed. And that's actually something that we want to work on, because working with different teams and working um, with our takeaway training, um, we did notice that this recognition and feeling undervalued as team members was something that we wanted to address. So th- sorry to put you on the spot no. there. It was, because it's something that we are working, you know, we're looking no, it's a at great, it's a great I would also say, I mean, as part of this, um, you feel very vulnerable. Like, um, I'm not a creative person per se, and I don't work in a creative industry per se anymore. But there is something about an idea which is creative where you feel horribly vulnerable. Um, You know, it takes almost the personality defect, I think, to have the courage to stand up for something which you feel to be true um, because you just think it's a good idea. Um, And I don't think we spend enough time recognizing quite how fragile ideas are and Mm. quite how much nurture and support they need Mm. and how we can build an ecosystem where the fragility of a great idea is is sort of nourished somehow. Yeah, I remember reading a statistic um, from um, 
Chris Hurst from Havas um, that was talking about how from he's got a book called No Bullshit Leadership and um, in that copy he talks about how um, a client can have a, an idea but really it's the person or the agency they're working with that makes it happen and makes it come into fruition and that's the magic bit because you can have as many ideas yes. but if it doesn't get brought to life um, then it's dead it's not anything and it's that transition which is really hard actually I, I've been quite good at coming up with moderately good ideas but terrible at getting anyone to engage with them mm-hmm. um, and for a long time I thought that was the world being quite unfair um, and you know people not recognizing that I had good ideas and actually it just means that you're not able to do the whole thing it, it means that you're not good enough um, like the real skill of an idea is coming up with it but then turning it into reality and that's an extremely hard part of the process you're right about that fragility as well of, of creative minds and that actually you are feeling really good about yourself or you're so crumpled um, and that the power that um, research and development budgets will yeah. have on that, again, for future business, future investment, future creatives. To, to, again, I keep saying rising up and yeah. taking taking lead. And I think about the future is particularly hard because there's no real evidence to support it. So it's quite easy to take a website, make it look a bit more like Amazon, and then use data that exists in the ether to show that that's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But to come up with a new model that's never existed, to develop a new product that people have never wanted, it's essentially impossible uh, to do that with data. So you either have to have you know, this incredibly strong, robust character that can kind of stand for something and champion it and take the pressure, um, or you have to be very good at sort of networking and building consensus. And I think those two skills are quite different to each other, actually. Um, and I think personalities tend to go to one side or the other. And we sort of almost champion the struggling creative with a bad tempo and maybe they're like an alcoholic and they're impossible to work with. And we think that, you know, that's a sign of brilliance. Um, And I don't think we really um, put enough focus on the people that sort of get in touch with them and build bridges with them and extract the goodness from them and sort of rally behind that somehow. Yeah. Um, Tom, um, can you talk to us a bit with your kind of focus on America versus the UK and the creative industries? Um, I would not want to be particularly rude about America. Um, But being in America makes me realise how wonderful many aspects of the UK are. Um, In particular, we have an amazing education system that teaches people um, to be somewhat challenging. Um, It's changing slowly, perhaps, but I think we are good believers in the power of debate. We are good believers in the power of strong opinions. I think we quite like challenging views. And I'm quite aware of how conformist America is, actually. Um, I'm very lucky to live in Miami, and Miami is basically not America. You know, Miami is this incredibly sort of weird peninsula almost, which is much more of a global crossroads with um, South America. Um, But I have personally found it very hard to work in creative industries in America because it is so risk averse. It is so um, conformist. It's so based on... Um, rigid attention to a process and hard work and um, you know to some extent creativity is almost um, about laziness you know I think um, you know the creative process is almost about taking pressure off and letting your mind wander Um, it's not about timesheets and rigidity Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the American work ethos actually goes against that Um, and it makes it quite a challenging place to be genuinely creative who, who 
would you say are kind of the um, uh, trailblazers stateside in terms of leading and nurturing creativity? I don't think that uh, geography um, helps that much when we talk about things like leadership of creativity. Um, I think there are certain traits which are more commonly found in America. Um, but I think most of America either subconsciously or consciously looks towards places like the UK um, for leadership when it comes to creative thinking. You know, so I think, you know, everything from, you know, great architects like the late Richard Rogers all the way through to great thinkers like Rory Sutherland, uh, great management consultants like Tom Peters. Um, yeah, I think, I think in a way, boundaries, um, fortunately, uh, national boundaries have sort of disappeared a little bit in that space. Um, but you need to apply them with relevance to your um, location, um, so you need to take those ideas and find a way to apply them in a in the right context. I think. Mm, great, great yeah. view. Um, Tom, what's next? What's next for you? Um, at the moment, I have spent a few years writing another book and doing a TV show um, and formulating a hypothesis, which I'm putting into practice now, which may or may not be correct. Um, but it's based on this idea that. Effect, effectively technology came into well digital technology and sort of communications technology came into our lives around about 2001 to 2009 and in that time we saw 3g internet we saw wi-fi we saw the smartphone we saw laptops and that fundamentally changed the foundations of what was possible at the same time, it changed the way that everyone behaved and what our expectations were. But by and large, almost no industry or company has actually changed much at all. Like We've changed in very superficial ways. Um, and I have a belief that the pace of change in the world is not faster than ever at all. Um, I have a belief that most of the things that we think are going to be disruptive and new, you know, NFTs, the metaverse, virtual reality, you know, quantum computing, 5G, what have you, I actually think they're largely irrelevant and they will never happen. And I think the big opportunity of our age is recognizing what could be built at this moment. So what should education look like at this moment in time? Um, what should retail look like? What should um, governance and politics look like at this moment? And I think we have all the tools that we need at our disposal right at this moment in time to build an amazing future. Um, I think many of the challenges that we face are actually quite easy for us to overcome. Oh. Um, I think that we're in an unfortunate situation where if you're optimistic, people either think you're privileged or you're ignorant. And actually, I've got quite a good understanding of technology and history. And we have just this amazing toolkit of profoundly wonderful things that can connect every person on the planet. We have all these amazing ideas. We have all these amazing tools. And I don't see any reason for us to be as pessimistic as we are. And I think we need to champion optimism and urgency and action. Um, and that's the sort of belief system that I'm using for a, a consultancy that I'm setting up. So that's a very long answer, sorry. No, I mean, I think it was really helpful. And I think also um, for our listeners out there, um, on if you go to our website for fridaytakeaway.com, we're going to add in the trends section a bit of information about Tom. Mm. So if anybody's interested about you know reading some of his books or finding out any further information um, just about Tom, because I think you're a very interesting person, <laughs> uh, we will have that live for you um, to have a look at. 
I, I think what you've just said as well, Tom, uh, we always ask um, anyone that we work with, what's your takeaway? That's mm. what, we're, what we're about, what's your takeaway? But I think what you've just kind of said about the, the kind of future and the optimism mm. of creative industries is something that I've taken away from this podcast with you. And, and, and that's where the answer's going to lay. Mm. I mean, um, every sort of hi- period of history, I think, has people that were... Um, the champions in a way the Victorian era was very much about engineers and you know Brunel and and what have you and um, we need this magic like we need someone who can understand the sort of politics of the world understand the problems of the world understand the realities of people's lives understand um, their concerns and sort of not rise above it in a obnoxious way but but sort of bring all the strands together um, and apply a degree of, of imagination and optimism to resolving those issues. And I really think this is um, the most important time for creative people to, to thrive. Um, and I really, really hope that happens. Oh, and what you're doing to help propel these people and support these people is a key part of that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, time to cham- to, it's time to champion creativity, I think. That's that's the takeaway. Yes, a time to champion creativity. I think that's a brilliant place to have as a takeaway and end a really lovely Friday takeaway podcast. So thank you My so pleasure. much. Thank you. Thank for you for fitting us into your schedule. Yes. Amazing. Thank you for being here, Miami, just for this special podcast recording. So. That's an important conversation.